Hello, welcome to Bees with Ben podcast. Thank you for joining us today and we're really glad to have you here. This podcast is designed for you, a community of enthusiastic, like-minded people who want to hear the journeys of others, learn more about these crucial, fascinating insects and how to become better beekeepers. Here's your host, Ben Moore. Hey everybody, Bees with Ben, super pumped, super excited today. Um, on the line, I have Daniel Wood. Uh, he's from Blackpool in the UK, been here for over a decade now, but super interesting. He's actually, he does bees himself, but he's also, um, we're going to hear all about it, but he works alongside Trevor Monson. Now, Monson is uh, Monson Honey and Pollination Services, and they, uh, Trevor Monson and the family and the crew do a lot of, uh, obviously, work with um, with the almond orchards and sort of do the, uh, like a broker. So, uh, now, when we think of uh you know, beekeepers sometimes like me being a first generation beekeeper could be like Trevor, which I think he's a, a third or a fourth generation beekeeper. But I love this because uh, Daniel is actually was um, was brought in as part of a family. So he's uh, Trevor Monson's uh, nephew. I think that's the uh, no, not nephew. Well, uh, well, we're gonna hear all about it in a sec. He's he married into the family. So uh, so thank you so much for your time, Daniel. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Uh, good day, everyone. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so yeah, uh, Travis, uh, Travis Sutherland. He does also have a uh, have a nephew that's Reese, and he's um, uh, he's he's pretty pretty much in charge of most of the bees that the Monsons run, and also uh, does the does the pollination with uh, myself, Jonathan, and and uh, and Trevor. Oh, awesome! Fantastic. So yeah, let's we want to yeah. hear hear about you. We'll talk, we'll talk all about that in a sec. But you know, Daniel. So so you you were, you grew up in the uh, in the UK. Uh, you came yep, over here yep. over a decade ago, but so what were you doing before the bee side of things, Daniel? Um, in Australia, um, so yeah, I uh, well, I'll go back to the tiny bit further. Um, so yeah, I was uh, I was in the British Army for um, for for five years, and then I met my now wife while she was visiting her sister who was holidaying in the UK. So my 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 now wife uh, came over for um, I think it was four or five week holiday, and I met her then. Um, then she went back to Australia. Um, I finished up in the army, came over to Australia for a year's working visa. Then we both w- both went back to Manchester in the UK for it was going to be for one year, but it got extended to two years. We liked it so much we uh, we stayed there uh, for a bit longer. Um, and then yeah, then we then we came back, um, uh, got married um, uh, a few years later, um, and been here. So I got here to live on a de facto relationship visa on the eve of my 30th birthday. Okay. Uh, crazily. Um, so that was pretty good to, to, to wake up in the, uh, in the morning and uh, have turned 30 and also been in a different country. Um, 10,500 uh, uh, Ks away or uh, miles, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, yeah, and I've just uh, fairly recently turned, four, well, I'll be turning 41 in July. So, yeah, just coming up to 11 years. Um, in Australia. Ah, cool. Um, That's awesome. Dude. So, uh, so your yeah. your wife. What's your wife's name? Yeah, Cherie. Cherie. So, now Cherie is Trevor Monson's daughter. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So she's she's the youngest of six um, kids that uh, Trevor and Carolyn Monson have had um, over the years. Um, uh, Glutton for punishment. Those two clearly. Um, <laughs> no, no TV. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, something like that. It's. Uh, uh, oh, but probably back in the early days with a limited sort of uh, uh, amount of TV, I think, over here. Um, 
Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I married um, uh, uh, Trevor's youngest daughter. Um, she's a librarian. She she works in the council sector as a librarian. Um, so yeah, so I met her. Um, yeah, the bees didn't come until later on. Uh, I got a father-in-law first, and then a few years later, I got a boss as well. So that's what I like to say to to, to people when I'm talking about that. So <laughs> love it. Yeah. Now, now yeah. how how is he as a father-in-law, and how is he as a boss? Oh, you couldn't. Yeah, I really couldn't ask for a, for a better uh, one of either. To be honest, no. Trevor's a Trevor's a great guy. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not just saying that because he'll eventually probably hear this. Um, but uh, no, uh, him, him and Carolyn and, and and the family as a whole. Yeah, I couldn't have asked for a for a, for a better for a better uh, sort of second family. Really, you hear, you, hear, you do hear some horror stories about the in laws and yada yada all the all the jokes. Um, but no, they're great, really good. Oh, that's fantastic. So, so, yeah. so you, uh, so you arrived here, obviously, you know, which is almost a decade ago. So, when did you sort of jump on board, uh, Daniel? As far as helping the family, when did the B sort of thing start kick off? How many years ago was that? Um, yeah, that would be uh, probably about six, possibly even seven years ago. I um, did my first run of um, uh, helping out at the at the Almonds with the pollination. Um, which is uh, between July and August and just into September, probably when we start taking hives out. Um, so I was um, uh, I was working with Jonathan, who is Trevor's um, uh, son, one of his sons, um, three daughters, three sons. Incidentally, um, he's he's got. So I, I was working with Jonathan, just basically helping out and doing some driving, doing some uh, assessing, some auditing of hives, um, stuff like that. So that was about uh, five, uh, about six, seven years ago. Um, and then probably a couple of years later, um, I got a few of my own bees, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, gone from gone from there basically. And now I uh, uh, breed uh, breed queens down here in Melbourne, and uh, and uh, yeah, uh, quite to sort of hands on with the with the with the pollination, and uh, manage quite a few of the farms these days alongside uh, uh, Jonathan and Reese. So yeah, it just gets busier and busier, um, as you as you probably know, just. Uh, I was going to say it would be getting busier and busier, and and tell all the list. I'll let you tell the story. Um, when did we? Which I think well, we've connected twice. So tell them the first time we connected, and tell them when we connected just the other day. Um, yeah, I think the first time I, I do vaguely remember your name from 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 pollination as, as well. But um, yeah, I think it was last season. Um, I thought it was a good idea to run over my smoker with my uh, <laughs> Nissan, with my with my Navara, and I was uh, uh, that was just at the. Um, just as the light was sort of fading, I was just finishing up, <clears throat> finishing up that day. But I didn't have a spare smoker. I usually try and keep a keep a spare, but I probably ran over the other one too. So that was my spare that I ran over. So <laughs> probably probably killed two smokers. Um, uh, and I had a big full on day the next day, having to having to get through a, another uh, full sight of hives. Um, I didn't much fancy that with 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 no uh, with no smoke. And I think it was. Um, um, yeah, there was very little, very little options, and I wasn't uh, fully aware of where you were. And I found out that you were in uh, Blackburn, which is only uh, uh, ten, fifteen k's down the road from where I actually live. So, so that worked out pretty well. And he had some smokers in stock and grabbed one of those. But we didn't, we didn't actually meet, did we? On that? No, uh, on that's that right. No, I think that's right. I was yeah. on the road, you know, doing whatever yeah. bee work, and I think yeah, I had yeah. it at my front door, and and um, because I don't have a shop, a lot of people think. That I would like at the yeah. shop front, but I don't. But yeah, so that was uh, that was that was funny. So and it's funny you just sort of mentioned yeah. about running over your smoker, Daniel. It's, yeah. I don't think you're a you're, you're not a commercial beekeeper until you've run over a smoker. They just no, they're not funny. Doing it. no. 
No, no, you, you're not. You're not properly beekeeping until you've uh, destroyed a smoker for, for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, in fact, I have uh, killed two smokers because I, I know that because I've now got uh, two sets of perfectly fine bellows, <laughs> which I uh, uh, dismantled from the crumpled mess of metal. So I ran over the metal both times. I'm pretty sure. Um, so if anyone needs any bellows for a smoker, um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got them. Well, well, you better you better keep those, Daniel, because just just in case you run over them or, or someone. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. And, and, and tell the story. Obviously, the other the other day, um, you uh, you rang, rang me up, and it was a funny story. So I'll let you tell that story as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just uh, popping into Bunnings, um, uh, as, uh, as 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 you know, it's um, uh, um, speaking becomes under a, a sort of livestock sort of um, uh, profession so you are allowed to go about your business and 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 and, and do what jobs you need to do but uh, yeah i pulled into pulled into bunnings um and i saw one of your uh, flash flash yellow and black youths <laughs> just right in front of me with this uh, fancy number plate beekeepers really do especially commercial beekeepers they lo- love a love a nice number plate don't they ben no, they, so, they do i think yeah i think i'm hogging i'm hogging most of the the beekeepers spelt different ways like b w e k p r b k b k e e p a i think i've got them i've got the whole set <laughs> yeah no there's a there's a few knocking around uh, i know of, uh, one very obvious one which is uh, part of the business that's b e z um i know there's another beekeeper who's got uh, Stung, stung one, I think it is. Oh, that's cool. I like that. So that's a pretty good one. He's one of the guys that comes to to, to pollination. I know him quite well. So, uh, um, yeah, no. So I uh, pulled into pulled into Bunnings and saw you, and uh, I thought I'd give you a bell because I thought you might be in Bunnings too. Um, but it turned out that you weren't. You were doing some uh, far far better work um, at the time. Oh, oh, just I think sort of d- different. Like I tried to. It's been a while since I've done it, but I was actually uh, just across the road. So this is in Ringwood, uh, just on the southeast of Melbourne. Um, I was actually given blood, and uh, I just hopped. It was an awesome story because I just hopped in my car. Yeah. And and you and you gave me buzz. Are oh, you in Bunnings? Yeah. You know I mean? And I said, Oh, I'll yeah. come over. I got one of those those cards where you go in the Bunnings, and we're having a yeah, chat, yeah. having a chat for about twenty minutes. But it's, it's actually kind of all right because I asked. It was about a year ago. I asked. Must have been spring, I think end of July. Yep. I asked Trevor. I said, "Hey, Trevor, do you mind you know, talking for half an hour?" And I know it's a, a crazy busy time for beekeepers. Um, yep. And he said, "Oh, I can't, Benny. You know, I mean, can we make another time? You know, under the pump, and completely understandable." So, um, yeah. So that was it was actually perfect timing when you called me because um, you know uh, to have you on as the uh, the son-in-law. I think I said before nephew at the start. The son-in-law. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's the terminology. So, so it's awesome, yep. awesome to have you on, and particularly as um, a different perspective. You know, you sort of coming into the family. I reckon it's you know the family business coming yeah. into that as a different dynamic. So, so on that side, so is there any? Has there been any challenges? You know, what I mean, obviously mentioned Trevor's great as a boss and a. Father-in-law, yeah. but any challenges you found with that, Daniel? Um, <clears throat> um, I think when I first started, I, I don't remember ever ever being stung uh, by a bee. So the first the first time that I did the uh, pollination, obviously you're in you're in uh, uh, um, you're in very close proximity to to an awful lot of bees. Yes. Um, yeah. it's, it's something I think I think when we I think when I first started, we were, we were getting. Uh, yeah, a, a little bit over a hundred thousand hives coming into that into that area. So you, you times wow. that by what forty, fifty, sixty thousand per per hive, depending on the strength. Then uh, those zeros really do stack up. Um, so so and, and at that stage, I don't think I'd ever had a sting. I don't remember ever having maybe when I was when I was young. So it was a bit like um, sort of waiting for that first <laughs> first thing to to actually 
um, appear. It's a, it's a bit like um, having someone stood, stood behind you. I always think with a with a big stick, but you don't know when you're going to hit with this big stick. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, a, bit, a, bit, a bit like that. So um, no, that was uh, yeah. Um, I wasn't uh, worried as such, but that was um, uh, one of the things in in the early days. Um, oh, probably Australia. It's the summers. That's the that's the thing that I don't uh, I don't get on with. Um, it's a, a in in my opinion, it's over thirty degrees is just unnecessary. So when you start getting to sort of above, uh, you don't don't often get them, but uh, above forty degrees um, in Melbourne's fairly unusual. But yeah, anything in high thirties is just uh, yeah, a bit a bit much for me. Uh, and generally, you shouldn't be working bees in that heat anyway. So I, I tend to knock off. If, uh, if I'm, fe- I'm feeling you, Daniel, with that uh, that temperature. It's uh, yeah. I've got used to it. My, my mum's uh, my mum's a pom. <laughs> she's from, she's from yep. London, and yep. uh, I think that sort of Anglo-Saxon white skin. <laughs> I mean, I think it does. It sort of punishes us. It uh, doesn't it? Us, yeah, us, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm really happy to to um, to be working with uh, with uh, decent sort of nice quiet bees. I, I almost never wear a veil, so so even if it does get a bit a, a bit warm, you usually got those breezes, but I cannot stand working. I don't know how people work in the full suits, let alone just a bee, a bee jacket, a bee veil jacket. Um, yeah, I would just, I would just keel over and, and uh, I don't know, just evaporate into nothing probably if I had to wear one of the full, full uh, overall type suits. It was, um, it was funny because someone, someone said uh, once with the, those suits, I think those thick sort of uh, white suits. What he call it? He calls it the beekeeping sweatmaster two thousand. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're meant to be all breathable, and those fancy sort of layers which uh, uh, move around those uh, those mesh ones. But yeah, no, I'd, I'd rather just wear a pair of shorts and a, and a, a t-shirt. A t-shirt is uh, is the go, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Now, now, as far as yeah. obviously with the business side of things, Daniel. So, so you're we're going to talk. We'll talk what you do on the side in a second about yeah. the Queens, which I'm super super keen to hear how you do things and what you're doing and so forth. But, but as far as so the business side of things, you know, Trevor Monson, uh, Monson's honey and pollination. So, so you you guys are running a lot of hives. Don't you got over a thousand hives? Is that right? Yeah, around that. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I don't work. Um, uh, with with those as such, I've got my own bees down down here, and, and uh, as as you know, like a commercial scale, the hives go up and down for various reasons. But yeah, it's usually hovering around a thousand up there. Um, so yeah, the niche that I'm filling is uh, uh, producing queens at the moment, primarily for for the business. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Last uh, last season, uh, I did get a, a bit bigger, and there's a, another expansion of about a third for uh, this coming season. Um, so, so last season I did I did sell uh, a few queens uh, here and there in sort of uh, ten to twenty um, uh, pieces per, per per sort of sale per, per uh, ten to twenty queens per sale um, just here and there when I had the, when I had extras uh, sort of thing um, and this next season I'll be moving up to about uh, it well it'll be one hundred and sixty eight queens per per batch um, oh, wow. and. Generally speaking, that's um, you're getting pretty good um, mating um, sort of figures, like a, a amount of your virgin queens being mated after about ten days to fourteen days. So, so every roughly two weeks, that's um, it should be. You, you do you do get losses um, yeah, there because yeah. of predation, queens getting lost, whatever, just uh, um, for, for for whatever reason. But but the maximum uh, would be 168. But uh, I'd be pretty happy if. Uh, four fifths of those 
came back and were successfully mated, um, you, you do get quite a few losses. But I, I know, I know for a fact that there's a dragonfly, a dragonflies are playing a big, really? a big part of that. Yeah, oh, no, they really? yeah, they okay. they certainly take bees. I've uh, I've been at my uh, mating nuke site. There's not really anything I can do about it. It's just the area. Um, but most um, most most areas going to have dams and, and and ponds and whatever in the area, and they're perfect sites for, for dragonflies. And yeah, dragonflies can uh, can have a, a pretty good um, uh, uh, go at your go at your bees. I don't if they actually target um, queens as such. I, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, I think they're just they're just taking bees, but um, they certainly yeah they they definitely have their fair share. And there's also uh, wood wood swallows and various other things which will take take bees and uh, uh, potentially queen bees. So, um, but yeah, um, yeah. So so 168 at, at maximum is uh, what I'm working for. Uh, is, working that, toward- is that sorry sorry 168? So is that per fortnight, per month, per week? Uh, yeah, well, uh, roughly uh, per per fortnight, depending on the. <clears throat> so so you put your uh, so you put your ripe queen cell into the into the um, um, into the mating nuke. Um, and then in the next uh, day or 36 hours, roughly, uh, the, that, that queen will, will hatch. And then she'll walk about the hive, um, just making sure that there's no other rival uh, virgin queens in there and just uh, sort of making her presence sort of felt, basically. And then she'll, uh, after a couple of days, she'll go out and do a, a mating flight. Um, as, as you would know, mating between uh, 10, 20, uh, possibly more drones. Um and then she'll um, uh, she'll she'll start laying as as soon as a week, but it's it's more more often it's uh, uh, I've seen seen uh, sort of higher percentages of fully mated queens laying queens uh, after ten days, fourteen days. Uh, like I say, it does depend on the weather that you get during that yes. period. If you get yep. a lot of uh, a lot of windy, rainy uh, weather, then uh, queens uh, generally uh, just don't go out and fly for that period, and they just stay home and then uh, make it out when when the when the weather uh, improves. So. And what yeah. ge- what genetics are you using, Daniel? What? Sorry, yeah, Caucasian. That's that's the black um, black coloration of, uh, of of bee, which we found to be uh, really uh, really good for sort of Victorian conditions. Um, and a lot of this stock does come from a guy called um, uh, Trevor Bain, who is a, a good friend and long time. Uh, well, Trevor would probably call, call him his mentor. This is Trevor Monson and Trevor Bain. Okay. Um, yeah, Trevor Bain is in uh, Gawler in New South Wales, um, and he's been um, at the forefront of um, improving genetics and uh, just general um, desirable bee traits in, in, in Australia. And everyone on, the, uh, on, for example, at the moment, there's a, a, a movement called Plan B, which is a genetic um, improvement of... Yeah. Yep. Uh, bees in, in Australia, which is um, uh, that's uh, Liz Frost who's uh, working uh, working doing that, and uh, yeah, everybody everybody is uh, fully aware of the work that uh, that Trevor Bain's been doing, especially with the Caucasian uh, line of line of bees. So that's uh, primarily the stock that we use, and a lot of other um, people are interested in the queen bree- queen bee breeding in in uh, in Victoria and in New South Wales. Uh, he's yeah, he's a he's a known. A known guy, and he's really, really nice, really nice bees. Uh, I met him just uh, a few weeks ago, or maybe maybe four to six weeks ago, roughly. Where myself and uh, myself and Trevor um, went for a went for a trip over there when we uh, had a, a break in the, in the, in in lockdowns, uh, basically. Um, we went over, and I, I met him for the first time, and we had a chat chat with him and his uh, 
and his wife and uh, went to look at his bees and uh, uh, I remember he had his bees on mangroves there on the on 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 the coast of uh, the South Australia. Okay, uh, which was which was good. I hadn't heard too much about uh, mangroves uh, prior prior to that, but apparently very good for your bees in uh, in autumn. Good for good for nectar, good for pollen. So so that was good. And uh, yeah, like I say, he's, um, very very nice, quiet, gentle bees. Really nice to work. So yeah, I was uh, I'm really really happy that it's um, sort of fallen into my lap to to work with these bees. I'm 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 happy with it. It's really good. That's that's awesome, Daniel. And what yeah. about the hives, like the the um, the the nukes? What 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 brand of hives are you using? Anything specifically? Um, yeah, so I've um, uh, I use the um, Technoset um, uh, plastic hives. Um, they are uh, they lend themselves really well to to being divided up with a with um, so I so they're a ten frame hive and they and you can put two dividers in to make uh, three three frame nukes um, so at two entrances um, on one end for the uh, left and right divisions and one entrance on the other end for obviously the centre um, and with those you can uh, have a top uh, uh, a high top feeder for uh, sugar syrup or, or dry products you uh, just take the plug out in the middle um, and all three of those sections can access those so, so there's no uh, apart from obviously the excluder Stopping queens from uh, jumping up over the top and, and having a scrap. Uh, the, the bees, um, uh, the field bees, um, they communicate over the top. Okay. Um, which is which is the way that I which is the way that I do it. Um, I have heard a few people say they're surprised that that works, but it certainly does. Um, uh, a few people would say that you would need a map over the top just to um, limit the pheromone from one side to the other a little bit more. But no, I haven't I haven't felt the felt the need or seen the need for, for doing that, and it just removes one more obstacle it seems to be just that vertical divider is enough to to um to, to limit that pheromone like for example if i <clears throat> uh, if one of those divisions uh, doesn't have a queen and the other two uh, do and then that queenless division will still be pulling queen cells so they're not getting enough um pheromone um going over the top of that divider to inhibit their uh, desire to pull Queen cells from from uh, from a young unsealed brood, um, so yeah, it's uh, it's working it's working pretty well. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so that's it. Yeah, it's techno set, and they're from they're from Greece. Um, I don't think there's too much of their products around in Australia, but um, yeah, we um, uh, Trevor's Trevor's had them for a little while, and uh, we thought they'd they'd lend themselves really well to um, to to mating queens, and uh, yeah, they're all always a single. So I've uh, Constructed some uh, some racks just just so they're up, up off the ground nicely at weight, waist height, so nice and easy to work and um, yeah, so it seems to be seems to be working pretty well. And, and what about the drones? Like you obviously you want to flood that area with with you know your yeah. your mating nukes. How, how do you do that? Yeah, so um, I don't use those specific hives for that, and so I just um, it's Basically, it can be used. These, these drone mother hives, um, they can also be used as a production hive with a with a honey super on top. You can uh, you can uh, uh, easily easily get a good uh, honey crop um, from those. Even though that they've got one solid frame, uh, which is um, people probably would have seen it, the lime green drone comb um, size uh, plastic. It's an all plastic frame. It's lime green just to denote and make it very obvious that that's a drone fr- a drone um, brood frame. Um, so that's the the, the, the plastic that's um, um, uh, laid into that uh, foundation is the drone size 
cell. So they pull that as all drone comb. The whole thing is drone comb. So um, if that was uh, fully um, fully drawn edge to edge, I think it's something like it's about 2,000 cells, I think, isn't it, on one side of full depth? Yeah, um, I think, um, yeah. Foundation, something well, like that. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the, um, yeah, it's about 1,500, 2,000 I'm trying to remember. What's the size of a drone? Is it 4.8 mil? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so, yeah, so actually, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of probably regular-sized um, uh, cells, so it's probably a bit less for the drone size because they're, they're a bit bigger, so. Yeah, uh, but it's 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 plenty, um, um, and yeah, there's, there's there's been studies showed uh, showing that um, uh, a whole frame of that, which which is obviously the, everything coming from that frame, is not going to be going out and gathering nectar and, and pollen and everything. But um, yeah, one of one of those frames, say say one out of your nine frames in there, doesn't make any difference to to how much um, uh, uh, nectar gathering ability that that colony has. So. So that's uh, it's always always pumping out um, um, uh, drones. Um, as you uh, may may be aware, you and your listeners, it, it takes two weeks before before drones are um, uh, mature before they're able to um, mate with virgin queens. So um, so normal practice is you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't start grafting queens, um, starting the process of uh, grafting queens until you have got at least capped um, drone brood. Okay, so um, cap, cap drone brood, and then that's a good indicator when to start grafting because you yeah. have to time that cycle queens out. That the um, yeah, okay, that's yeah, 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 yeah. At least that stage, um, I would uh, yeah, it might be a little bit safer just to just to just to wait until they start emerging. Um, but yeah, if you, if you're really in a rush, you can you can start grafting when when you're seeing a capped a cap drone brood. And you, you, if you were doing it that stage, you would like to you would you would need to be sure that pretty much all of your um, drone mother sites, uh, drone mother hives at all your sites are basically all at that stage. You might have a, a certain portion that are a bit, uh, a bit lagging a bit further behind, and uh, yeah, you, you might might be jumping on a tiny bit uh, at that stage. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good good indication. Okay, and and what about so so how often do you so from when you start are you breeding sort of queens right through till what February March Daniel? Um, February March. Um, Probably not quite that late. Um, I do like to start closing the hives down around. Um, it's funny, my my wife's uh, birthday is the second of March, okay. and I use that as an indication of, of when to. <laughs> it's a strange, strange thing, but it's a it's a date that sort of sticks in your head. Yes. Um, so yeah, yeah, probably uh, probably February would be when I would do my last run of um uh, uh pulling pulling the queens out of, of the of the mating nukes and and then so <clears throat> so so in the sort of uh, autumn sort of time february sort of time uh, that's when i would go through the all the all the mating nukes, mating nukes which like i say are divided up into thirds i would pull two of those mated queens uh, say that, that there's, there's, a, there's a mated queen in each of the thirds uh, pull two of those out then lift the dividers and this is another uh, thing that's worked out quite well just lift the dividers um, and that queen, um, I would try and leave the queen in the middle if possible. Uh, lift the dividers, and there's no problem with integrating those those other two um, sets of uh, sets of bees because it seems to be a nice little um, sort of grey area in the middle. They've they've had a little bit of a sniff of her pheromone, so plus she's got a lot of bees around her. Um, it's, it's it's like uniting 
um, uh, a nuke with a with uh, with uh, with another hive, for example, uh, via the paper method. It's a bit like that, so like a slow sort of integration because yes. that queen in the yep. middle hasn't necessarily met those two colonies on the other side. But because she's got a big buffer of bees, which are friendly to her, they'll all sort of uh, sort of blur the edges, blur the lines a little bit, and they all become one 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 colony. So then that goes into winter as into winter as one colony, and then I move those. Uh, uh, those those queens off to to, to Reese and Trevor in, in Mildred, and that's the last last uh, that's the last run of the season. So okay, and, yeah. and when do you, when do you start? Obviously, you mentioned about the drones. Um, yeah, so what, what months do you usually obviously vary specifically? But when do you sort of fire? Yeah, up? Um, yeah. So um, like most uh, sort of larger sort of commercial uh, sort of spice uh, beekeeper sort of uh, outfits, we would go to. Um, Canola. Um, that's uh, following uh, following the almonds. So uh, almonds uh, uh, end of July, August, and maybe the first week of September. People start leaving, and then canolas uh, pretty much uh, uh, going going full steam ahead in Victoria. In, in Queensland, they've uh, they've they've got luxury of having um, uh, a canola before almonds. So so they're these look. If we get these coming down to pollination they look really really good because they've already had uh, four or six weeks of canola from from the from the uh, more northerly uh, states and far north new south wales and into queensland so they come down um uh, to to the almonds uh, but yeah with mine um i'd probably so so that would be july september october probably mid-october Late yes. October, yes. I would, uh, I would, I would, I would start. Yeah, yeah. That was a bit of a rambling response to that question, but yeah, no, no, yeah. That probably makes sense. Mid, mid, mid to, yeah. I was just trying to get it straight in my head. Mid, mid, mid to late, uh, mid to late to October after they after they've had a really good dose of, uh, of pollen and they're uh, and they're ready to uh, climb out the boxes to push push the lids out, push the lids off the boxes. Um, because the, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of the uh, brood sort of um, moving that you that you that you need to do. Um, as, as part of that, for your, for your uh, cell, cell starter and cell finisher uh, hives, which you put your grafts into, so you so you need to um, uh, move lots of uh, uh, emerging brood into your cell starters. You want as many nurse bees as you possibly can um, into the into the hive, um, which uh, which first first has your first gets your uh, um, fresh graft cells. Um, so there's no queen in that, but queenless. So they're now in a in an emergency. Um, uh, uh, state, they're, they're, they're looking to uh, produce new queens because okay. they think they've yep. lost their queen. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, so they, so your so your cells go into that into that hive. Like I say, it's absolutely crammed with uh, nurse bees. Um, it's been uh, stimulated with um, uh, uh, syrup as well, uh, sugar syrup, and also uh, extra pollen. I'm not sure that I really need the extra pollen. Um, a lot of your listeners will have hives in suburban sort of. Areas and the amount of pollen that that, that that comes into those general sort of areas, it's it, yeah, it's usually more than enough uh, for for a, a really healthy, nice hive. But I, I do give them a, a pollen patty as well, just to just to cover that cover that base uh, a, a little bit more. Is uh, probably better than not quite enough. enough sort of. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. So. so uh, uh, and what about what? Well, sorry, Daniel. What what about over the the course of the year? So obviously you're you're busy because obviously you're helping, you know, Trevor and the and the lads with you know putting the the bees on the the plantations on the uh, the almonds and obviously various other crops. 
Uh, you're breeding queens. So you're, you're under the pump. You're, you're doing lots of driving and helping. So you must be absolutely everywhere as well. Yeah, yeah, fair bit. Um, yeah, I've got two uh, two young boys, and my and my wife, uh, my wife uh, works uh, full time as well. Um, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's sort of working in fairly well. Because um, uh, yeah, my my uh, so I've got one uh, one eight year old who's now in school, and so that's a little bit of pressure off there. So I can work during the day. The other the other four uh, four year old is in daycare, so I've got a fair portion of the day to to get to, to get work done um so it is it is working in pretty well but yeah it's getting busier and busier now so um we might have to send them off to boarding school or something to so so get a bit more <laughs> a bit more time um they, they do come out and help me with the with with the bees so. oh, yeah. awesome cool yeah so yeah no they've both had they both had plenty of things um <laughs> uh and yeah no uh, no no uh, no ill effect no. uh, a, a, a bit of a bit of Shouting and screaming and and, and, and crying, but um, <laughs> no, yeah, they're, they're they're not certainly not scared of bees or anything. They're, I'm trying to trying to sort of teach them that if you do get stung, it's probably something that you've done, not what the bees done, um, which is generally generally the case. Like there's, uh, I remember my <clears throat> my eight year old Harry. He uh, he he liked he liked to uh, he liked it when the bees uh, crawled on his finger and he could hold them up to his to his to his, to his face so he could watch them really closely. But he was poking one a, a bit too vigorously to get it to climb onto his finger, and he must have, uh, yeah, must have upset this bee. So he got a sting on the finger. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no. But yeah, time time wise, it's, it's working in pretty well. And um, so for the, uh, you said that with sort of uh, with 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 a view to sort of time management and driving and stuff. Um, so in the in the fairly near future, I'll, I'm going to be looking for a property to establish as a bee farm. And my long long term sort of game, uh, uh, goal is basically to try and eliminate all travelling with the bees, unless they're going for uh, pollination or to some yes. uh, like really good flowering event, uh, canola for example, um, in a sort of uh, springtime. Um, so yeah, going to be looking for somewhere probably in South South Gippsland, somewhere that's uh, nice and sort of moderate temperature, doesn't get quite as hot as some places. Also, doesn't have the lows of, of some places. Um, nice, uh, predictable rainfall, um, and yeah, that's going to be some somewhere in the region of uh, ten to twenty hectares. Yes. Um, and I've started. Uh, I've started in the last few months planting out everything. I could probably go through the through the alphabet and and, and name a couple of plants at least for, for most of the letters. Uh, I'll probably struggle with Z. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh I, I think it's zinnias, which actually made Zinnia, it pretty yes, good to be. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, I haven't actually got any of those, but. No, any anything from uh, uh, what Borage, Humphrey, Chamomile, all the way up to um, Tasmanian Sydney bluegums, which I'm growing from seed, and they're about uh, two, three inches tall at the moment. So it's going to be fun watching those over the next uh, uh, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years um, growing up. So yeah, I'm just ba- basically trying to establish a, a one-stop shop um, property for. For bees, just so I know, and I'm, I really am cherry picking from all the proven, really high grade um, uh, protein, uh, the, the the pollen, um, with regard to amino acids and fats, and because uh, like I was probably talking to you, I think the other day in in Bunnings, a lot of especially eucalypts sources yes. are deficient yep. in some of the amino acids. Um, so I'm trying to get a nice overlay overlap of lots of different high high um, 
high protein uh, for one, up uh, up around sort of uh, at least twenty five percent for most of them. Um, is is pretty good. You'd be more than happy if you had a few sources of twenty five percent protein pollen coming into your bees at all all points in the year. So that so that's the so that's the um, the goal. Um, and yeah, just um, a nice steady flow of, of nectar, not not a proper honey flow because with with queen breeding that, that hampers you if anything because they yes. start yeah. they start constricting their brood nests and they sort of um, as as you know they uh, uh, they sort of almost neglect. There are other, there are other, there are other tasks that you're trying to, trying to get them to do in in favour of just absolutely cramming, cram, cramming every crevice of the hive with uh, with nectar with honey. Yes, yeah. So, uh, so, so too much of a flow can be uh, can be detrimental. I just want a nice, uh, a nice steady steady flow all throughout the all throughout the year, um, rising a bit uh, if I if I can, um, and the and the really predictable um, rainfall of Gippsland sort of between. 800 and 1,000 mil a year should um, uh, see to that because um, sort of honey flows are generally um, uh, gauged by how much rain um, most most of the floral resources have had. Obviously, the nectar being a, a high a high constituent uh, is is this moisture mo- uh, water. Yes. So um, so yeah, um, uh, so the so the nectar resource I'm looking to have. Uh, Try and try and get that uh, a bit higher in in autumn, for example, when they need to put on a bit of weight to, to go through winter. But but the rest of the year, sort of nice, sort of uh, as even as possible. Um, so yeah, I've got the regular um, uh, regular sort of reliable um, nectar producers, like for example in the wider areas, so it's going to be clovers, very sources of clover, and, and those in those areas anyway. They're they're big grazing dairy um, yes. sort of. Yeah. Areas, so, so there should be no sort of shortage of clover around the areas. Plus, the ground is is well suited to that. Um, yeah, and along along with that, all, all the regular favourites and the lavenders and and the uh, grevilleas and rosemary and all those sort of things. And yeah, so some of them will need some uh, some adjustment to the to the growing conditions, like the the the, the beds. Like for example, lavender needs uh, a fair bit of dolomite lime for the for the calcium and magnesium. So I'm just trying to just trying to research um, it all as much as I possibly can, and um, yeah, so so that's so that's the goal in the next uh, looking looking into the future, five, ten, twenty years, is establish a good one-stop shop for for these bees because I, I love that, Daniel. So it's exciting, you know, yeah. I mean, particularly to it really is. yeah, exactly, yeah. you know, you know, learning about you know various trees and flowers and things like you just mentioned about the um the lavender you know putting you know, dolomite in there you know it's things like yeah. that it's interesting as being a beekeeper you know so much to learn and you see it's just not just this world of bees but it's nutrition and the plants yeah. and things so yeah. oh yeah yeah certainly it's um it almost um uh, um looking after the bees themselves is 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 only really half the job um people people go into um Absolute uh, tiny, tiny detail about about what what hives that they put the bees in. But but bees have uh, naturally evolved to live in uh, damp, hollowed out tree trunks. Mm. So they're not that bothered about where they where they live. It's just what what sources of um, of, of, of forage that they're getting. It's same same with any animal and, and us. Uh, it's all all the same. A balanced, good, healthy diet is is always going to be best for for for, for staving off any any. Uh, uh, diseases and keep them healthy and long-lived and and, and all that so yeah that's uh, that's what i'm trying to trying to achieve and, and not and not moving 
Um, I think a couple of people might think I'm just lazy. I don't want to move from these, but um, it's uh, uh, yeah, just traveling time. A lot, a lot of, a lot of, especially commercial guys, they uh, traveling for thousands of days yes. uh, with mm. bees. It's all just dead. Well, it's not 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 wasted time, obviously. But if you if you don't have to do it, then why 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 would you why would you do it? And and it is a different operation. Uh, breeding queens, you don't need anywhere near as many hives as you do for a, for a honey operation. Obviously, um, it is a niche, more of a niche sort of industry and I'll, I'll be looking to probably keep oh, between two and three hundred hives at this 10 to 20 acre sort of property yep, yep. Um, and so that, that that should be achievable and and uh, um yeah ideally this this, this place will have um, um, a, a few different undulations uh, elevations um just so i can maybe tailor some of the plants which do like a bit more of a um a, a well-drained sort of area they can go on the slopes for example um, where the drainage should be better, and I can adjust that as well with uh, with working sand into the uh, um, into the into the soil. Um, plus, and uh, somewhere in the vicinity should be a, a like a, a state forest of some kind, which of which there are plenty around around Gippsland within flying range for the bees. So that'll be another another box to tick when I when I start looking uh, seriously after after the pollination has uh, has finished. When I when I start looking for for a, for a property, so. Some uh, some state forest nearby would be good too. So that's awesome, Dan. Exciting times ahead. Exciting future, mate. That's really really cool. Yeah, now, yeah, it is. I'm really enjoying it. I, I really like the science behind uh, behind bees, and also uh, the, the, a lot of that is, is is quite true with the with the with the flora with the botany as well. So it's uh, yeah, it all sort of works in together. Um, all the all the biodiversity and everything. Um, if people planted more uh, more uh, very very varied. Um, types of uh, flowering plants, you would have a lot less problems with aphids, for example, or, yes. or mice, yep. you know, that might be attacking um, uh, your, your your fruit and veg. And also, you'd have obviously more more pollinators to come and uh, come and come and uh, pollinate your um, whatever your, your cucurbits and your and your uh, fruit trees and everything else. So it's yeah, it's all it's all really about the biodiversity is what I'm what I'm trying to get towards here. Yeah. Love it. Absolutely love it. Now, Daniel, that is absolutely amazing. And I just want to say a big thank you for your time. That was absolutely great conversation and uh, right, really, really good to hear and hear that sort of slightly a different, you know, a different angle of, of coming to the family and what you're doing is amazing. And uh, absolutely thank you so much for, uh, for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Ben. No problem. All right, take care. All the best, and we'll uh, catch up with you soon and just make sure uh, don't run over a smoker again or try not to. Yeah. Well, no, it's extra cash for you, mate. So uh, uh, <laughs> I might do a couple more. We'll see. We'll work it out. No worries at all. You take care. All the best. Cheers, man. What a fantastic episode uh, talking to Daniel about the family business and, and actually coming into the family as opposed to sort of bringing up in the family as a commercial beekeeper. Such interesting and he's just love and passion for bees and beekeeping. And uh, it sounds like uh, Trevor Monson is going to be uh, busy, busy as a bee with all his grandchildren. <laughs> um, but yeah, how fascinating. So, and, and so interesting with the Monson's family, you know, they've been in the bee industry for over 50 years and they're doing many, many wonderful things, obviously producing honey and pollination. Pollination, obviously, we've all heard it. One every three mouthfuls of food that we've eaten has been pollinated by bees. Now, when you look at, obviously, this is what Trevor does. He's a broker for the almond industry. Um, when you look at it, you know, it's worth, the almond industry in Australia is worth $772 million. 
Wow. That's that's a lot. When you, when you look at just the um, in northwestern Victoria, um, you know, there's over 120,000 hives get taken to pollinate the almonds for that three weeks. So it's um, such a very important and crucial industry, agricultural industry. Um, and Australia is also too, you know, the second largest um, producer of uh, of almonds. I think the USA. I think predominantly around California. Uh, which is amazing. And when you look at the, obviously, you know the the amount of of almonds is ex- exported. It's a growing industry, so you know, need more bees, well, more beekeepers, and more bees to actually pollinate. Because I just got the stats in front of me from 2018, 2019, um, sixty thousand eight hundred forty four tons of almonds was exported, compared to the last season being 2019, 20. Uh, was 76,556 tonnes of almonds was exported. So fascinating there. And uh, Daniel, once again, thank you for your time. And I hope that you enjoyed the episode. And uh, don't forget, you know, if there's something you want to hear, um, you know, send me a message or there's a person you want to hear on the podcast. You know, and I love, you know, shoot me for your text message. Uh, emails are fine, you know, ben at au or text messages is quicker because I'm on the road. I do lots of driving. So 0437077792. Love to hear from you. If there's something you want to hear about or you know, there's a person you want me to talk to, love to. And uh, really appreciate your time. As I said before, I'm so grateful and you know it's such humble that you listen to this podcast i really appreciate it and a big big thank you thank you so much for listening to bees with ben podcast and we hope you learned some tips and tricks it would mean a lot if you could please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe to get instant updates when a new episode is uploaded see you next week